Okay. Let's let's do this. Yeah, I like that rousing confidence. Hey, look! It's hey, a look! Butterfly. It's a butterfly. So, what isn't going on? I guess yeah. That's what the real is question. not happening today in the world? Because I would, I would love to know. I want the listeners to know we are recording this two weeks after the last episode, and boy, or maybe it's three weeks, but boy, has stuff mm-hmm. really changed? Yeah, in a short amount of time. In case you don't know, uh, our nation is in the middle of a, a civil rights movement. Known as Black Lives Matter. Yep. So, I am in Colorado Springs, and there is there are protests going on uh, today. There was like today, today there was an event for Black Lives Matter Pride March. I decided I'd try and go, but I was going late because I had work. Mm. So then I like went to the place where it said to meet up, knowing that they would probably have already left. And they were like, "Oh yeah, they're on a march." Mm. Uh, you know, didn't work out. Oh, but man. on my way back to my car on the in the on the corner in front of my high school, I saw a group of people uh, with American flags and Trump flags protesting, and I was like, "Oh, uh, nasty!" Oh. <laughs> Personally, nasty. Personally, nasty. Mm. Um, on my end, um, yeah, I have not attended as many protests, but I have been able to make donations. And I was thinking, like, what else can I do besides educate myself and call my representatives? And I remembered, wait, we have a podcast. Uh, So we're going to start looking for more um, black and bi POC artists and authors and poets and stuff to feature on this podcast. So we will each bring one of those um, to recommend to our lovely listeners. And we'll also recommend one organization that you can donate to. We will link to those in our episode descriptions. Okay, so the... Writer that I have chosen to recommend is Bernardine Evaristo. Um, she is a British author, um, mostly writes fiction, and her novel *Girl, Woman, Other* won the Booker Prize in 2019. And that is the book, um, the only book of hers so far that I have read, and I really liked it. I think it's been called a social novel. It's told from, I want to say, eight different like perspectives of um, different. Black women in mostly in Britain, but um, they do kind of explore American culture a little bit as well. And I really uh, enjoyed that book. It was a pretty deep dive into different parts of society. Um, yeah, the organization that I am recommending is for donations is the Equal Justice Initiative. And I just learned about this yesterday uh, when I was watching a live stream. And I'll just read the blurb from the website. The Equal Justice Initiative is committed to ending mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the United States, to challenging racial and economic injustice, and to protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. The founder of them, Brian Stevenson, he is the lawyer that the movie and book Just Mercy is based on. Ooh. Yeah. I've not heard of that. So Just Mercy is is Brian Stevenson's memoir. So the, the movie is based on him and his memoir. Nice. Okay. The person and the organization that I've chosen, they're two separate, but uh, the person that I've chosen is um, Ashley Cornelius. Um, she is a female black poet, and she 
And I just discovered her yesterday because, um, like I said, I live in Colorado Springs, and there's Instagram that I follow that like keeps me up to date on different activities that are going around that support and promote uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and one of them was a list of different accounts to follow, and hers was one of them. So she has an Instagram account called at uh, ACC Poetry Now. And I very, very briefly have looked at some of her stuff, but I know that she creates stickers, and a lot of them are pretty motivational and high quality. I want to—I've already bought one, um, so I'm going to promote her. And I've read a couple pieces of her poetry, and I—I I don't know. It's—it's it's, for me. It's—it's it's something I'm going to invest a lot in because it is hyper local and a part of a more part of my community. And then the organization I've chosen is um, Homeless Black Trans Woman Fund. Mm. Uh, it's based in Atlanta and it's focused on black trans women and giving them amenities that they need such as cell phones, such as housing, um, resources like that. And so in the description of the GoFundMe page, since GoFundMe takes a chunk of your um, donation, mm-hmm. uh, they also list their Venmo, which is what I did because then it goes directly to a person and you kind of skip all those charges and everything, which I'm about. Um, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the one that I've chosen this week. Okay, great. Speaking of uh, black trans women, uh, another current event mm-hmm. and also in the literary world, uh, there's a lot of drama at the moment around J.K. Rowling and yeah. her... Her social media presence Mm -hmm. uh, in relation to... And I was actually reading an article, something about uh, the language that we can use that, like, you know, promotes more acceptance. But one Mm -hmm. of them was, like, oh, it's not transphobia, it's trans antagonism. And it's because it's not that transphobia is, like, the fear of trans people, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time it's just denying the existence that trans people exist Mm -hmm. and so it really is yeah trans antagonism um -hmm. again this is something i learned just yesterday but i was learning here on this podcast yes we love Mm -hmm. it but i've read a a couple articles on this jk rowling thing because when i first heard about it it was in a group chat that i was in someone mentioned that jk rowling Mm -hmm. like their comment was oh jk rowling is transphobic and that was the extent that i knew and i wasn't really I didn't really look beyond that. I was like, okay. And then later mm-hmm. on, I kept hearing more about it in like social media posts. And then I was like, okay, what is the actual mm-hmm. full story here? I mean, she's done stuff like this in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. when I saw that, it, like she did something again, I was kind of like, to me, I was like, that's a lot. That's not really news. But um, yeah, I did look at the particular comment she made and the tweet she did. And I think the biggest thing for me was... One, yeah, there's a history of this, so it's not necessarily this one singular action that she has done that's, like, I guess, like, the proverbial nail in the cross. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that, like, I mean, for me, I think a lot of it was her response to the initial tweet that she made. Yeah. And how... Because I'm, like, I'm I'm wanting to give her the benefit of the doubt. Not because it's J.K. Rowling, but just when it comes to any human being, I'm just like, oh, maybe it was... Maybe it's because of this thing that yeah. they didn't really mean it. So, like, I looked at the first tweet and I was like, oh, maybe she was making a joke and she didn't realize 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like, I can't make that kind of comment because, yeah, not all people who menstruate um, are women. And so then the fact that when she got called out, that her reaction to being made aware of that fact that it was mm-hmm. pretty aggressive, I think that's, like, the big factor as well. So, other than that, what else have you been up to, I guess? Um, <laughs> I went on a road trip to home. Like, I felt safe enough to do that. But, yeah, other than that, I've just been working, <laughs> sweating, trying to stay mm-hmm. fit, and trying to feed myself. I've also got into, I've been trying to, I guess, cook more. Ooh, I've, it's seen, more like, I've seen that. Yeah, you know, I've been sending you Snapchats. Yeah. It's mostly been spurred by, like, I'm living back at home with my family now, and we just have, like, a lot of crap in our kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, cleaning out the kitchen, and I found, like, a mega mason jar size Ooh. full of chia seeds. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> we don't eat chia seeds. So then I looked up on the internet, like, what can you make with chia seeds? And, like, Ooh. here are the top three things, and mm-hmm. also the only things. Pudding. Yep. Overnight oats. Mm-hmm. And granola. I mean, and those are all great things, but I was also like, okay, these are things that I really don't eat day to day. Even granola, mm-hmm. like, unfortunately, I don't. That's just not something I snack on. Yeah. And so then I was like, why did cheese seeds <laughs> exist? Like, we're going to have these for years and years, even if I make overnight well, oats every night, which is what I'm eating right now. Okay, so I like them in yogurt. Like, I'll just put it in yogurt if I'm going to eat it. But also, can't you, like, make chia pets with your chia seeds? Can you? I don't know. I don't know if they're the same thing or not. But you should see if you can do that. Just see if you can grow them. This is, like, not really the same thing. But one time I bought a bunch of flaxseed because I was like, oh, it's, like, healthy. And, like, the first time I did it, I put, like, way too much in my yogurt. And I just, it tasted like sand. And I just, that bag sat in my cupboard forever because I was like, I can't go back to that. Even though I know that, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like that, <laughs> but I can't. I'm like, sorry. that won't be the same experience, but I just couldn't look at it. So most of the cooking that I've done has been spurred by, like, me trying to get rid of things in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. So, like, another thing is my mom got two mason size jars. She loves mason jars. That's just whatever. Who doesn't? Like, (laughs) I guess who doesn't. But also, like, we don't need this much. So she got two mason jars of cow's milk, unpasteurized, straight from the udder to (laughs) the jar. That's great, except for a lot of us in the family don't drink milk because we're lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. And also, me personally, I'm just not a milk drinker. Not only am I lactose intolerant, I choose to ignore that, but I also just don't drink milk very often. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what do I do with two mason-sized jars of milk that are going Uh to expire very soon? And so I made rice pudding in a crock pot, and then I made chai, which you saw the chai. Yeah, I was so jealous. I mean, oh. it was my first attempt at masala chai, mm-hmm. and I will say, I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> but mm-hmm. so that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I've been cooking with okay, cool, yeah. excess amounts of food in my kitchen. Okay, sounds awesome. It was. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of awesome, I don't, awesome or maybe speaking things. of not awesome, we'll find that out later. Uh, what book are we talking <gasps> about today? Oh, we're reading 1984. I said it weird. <laughs> oh, well. By George Orwell. By George Orwell. Uh, which... Not Orson Welles, who's fake. No. <laughs> have you read this book? Did you have to read this in school? Okay. From what I remember, uh, I think I actually did. This is, like, one of the few books I did oh. have to read in school. And here's why I remember it. 
I think it was like 10th grade high school. Uh, well, that's what 10th grade is. But um, so in my English class, we had to read it. And I think I made a Prezi PowerPoint on it. Oh. So then I tried to go back and look for it. And it is nowhere to be found. But I do remember. So I think I did read this. Uh-huh. Um, and let me tell you, <laughs> I don't remember any part of it. At all. <laughs> I know you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you. I did have to read this in school, and AP lit. Um, and I didn't like it at the time because I was, like, super anxious and very... Um, I, like, I had have a lot of empathy for fictional characters. And so reading about, like, torture and, like, tons of just anxiety stuff uh, was very unpleasant. And I was just upset about it. Well, I guess but... I just underestimate what kids or not kids, you know, students can, mm-hmm. can or, ex- or are expected to handle. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, when I was listening to it, I was like, I also don't remember it being this violent or anti-Semitic. But yeah. let's, before we go any further, let me just read the Goodreads blurb so people know what we're talking about. <clears throat> Among the seminal texts of the 20th century... 1984 is a rare work that grows more haunting as its futuristic purgatory becomes more real. Published in 1949, the book offers political satirist George Orwell's nightmarish vision of a totalitarian bureaucratic world and one poor stiff's attempt to find individuality. The brilliance of the novel is Orwell's prescience of modern life. The ubiquity of television, the distortion of the language, and his ability to construct such a thorough version of hell. Damn. Required reading for the students since it was published, it ranks among the most terrifying novels ever written. End blurb. That's a very, very uh, packed blurb. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently it's been a required reading for students since it was published. Okay, cool. And I wrote the summary... Um, of the plot, and it's just, it's longer than the other ones because there's just a lot to talk about. So let's get started. Okay, so first I'm going to talk about just the world of 1984. Um, So Winston Smith, the main character, lives under the regime of the party and Big Brother, who is the leader. Um, So in the society, there are only three countries in the world, and they're constantly at war with each other. Um, So every citizen of Oceania, 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 oh my gosh. Oceania. Yeah. You know what? You guys know. It's like ocean yeah. and like whatever. Yeah, I'm going to say it one more time and that'll be it. Winston lives in Oceania. <laughs> okay, Perfect. so every citizen of this place is monitored like 24-7, or at least they have the illusion that they are, um, through like telescreens in the walls and they hide microphones everywhere. Um, and like every single mannerism, like facial expression you make, the... F- words you use are always scrutinized by the thought police. Like, it's common knowledge that if anybody is found to have committed a thought crime, then they're kidnapped in the middle of the night, they're taken away to be killed or maybe tortured, um, and then, like, they become an unperson, which means their records are erased and, like, no one ever talks about you again. Like, you're forgotten. Yes, so that is the very scary world that they're living in. And that's just the people in the party. Like, the people who are not in the party are called the proles. Okay, so Winston Smith, the main character. So he works in the Ministry of Truth. His job is to, like, constantly edit and re-edit past newspapers and stuff 
to suit whatever story the party wants to be true. And so they can say, oh, we're at war with East Asia one day, and then the next day be like, we're at war with Eurasia. And so, and then everybody like has to change what every newspaper says ever to make this true. But also it like takes place in the mind. Like everybody believes that's true as well. Um, so in this way, they have complete control over history and in a way, reality. Mm. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so Winston, at the beginning of the book, he starts to keep a journal. And it's like a big no-no, right? Because you're leaving a paper trail. But he also accepts that this will lead to his death. He's just like, you know, can't contain his thoughts. Um, and he also begins a relationship with another party member, Julia. Um, so they begin to be secretly and go on dates and like sleep together. They believe um, that there exists a resistance to the party. Um, and so they think they think they've made an agent of this resistance called O'Brien. Um, and so O'Brien asks them to join, but it's a trick. So they both get arrested and they undergo torture. They get re-educated. Um, and Winston and O'Brien have like a lot of like deep talks. Um, but Winston is only done once he betrays Julia at the very end. And so the book ends with Winston back in society living like as a ghost of what he once was, but he now loves Big Brother. Yeah, very Twilight okay. Zone esque. <laughs> um but yeah, it's a very it's a very dense time. Dense it's a dense book. <laughs> okay, yeah. What segment are we on? What do you want us to do next? Unanswered questions. So I forgot we had this segment, so I didn't write anything down until this very second. Mm-hmm. Do you have any that you want to no. do first? No, I have literally <laughs> okay. none. I knew all the answers. <laughs> all right, good. I mean, as the blurb mentions, and you mentioned in your summary, like, this is a culturally iconic mm-hmm. text. Like... Uh, just in every day, before I'd even read this book, and I, in my everyday, I've heard jokes being made about, like, Big Brother or the uh-huh. Thought Police. Like, that has made it into, uh, at least when I was a youth, it, mm-hmm. that was, like, jokes that people made. Yeah. Um, or when people say Orwellian, like, they were, they're mean 1984. And then there's the whole talk about the language, how language is essentially meant to label and divide things so that we can all have a common speaking ground of like so Mm -hmm. when i say something um you understand what i mean because we've associated this meaning for it and it has a distinct meaning than another thing Mm -hmm. and so in a way that's great because we're able to communicate with each other and connect on some level but on the other hand it's then you get into that nuanced situation of now you've like boxed things in and it's hard and you have to rework how you think about it if you want to change the meaning mm-hmm. well it's something we're always experiencing but especially with for example integrating the word non-binary which you know 10 years ago wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't a thing or maybe it was but it was not accepted in mainstream culture and it still yeah. isn't for a lot of people but we're working towards that but mm-hmm. so that's an example of like how language really forms a society and in 1984 you have the elimination of language. Mm-hmm. And so you could have this broad generalization for everything and shorthand speak. I think it was, I forget newspeak. what the word. Newspeak, yeah. yeah. And so then instead of like having various words like amazing, excellent, and terrific, mm-hmm. you had good, what was double it? Double good, double plus good, or plus good. Yeah, or something yeah, like anyway. that. <laughs> but it was like watered down, simplified, and then there's no... And also, like, something I got from this was basically, if you were living in this world and you were Winston, 
you're essentially being gaslit by like your entire country, mm-hmm. everyone you've ever known, your entire yeah. government. Because as you talk as you said in the summary, they're erasing history and in some respect changing mm-hmm. what reality is. Yeah, Which and is it's not even yeah, it's not even just once that they do it. Like they do it all the time. Like mm-hmm. they can cha- they can make it so they can change stuff like day to day. And like, mm-hmm. not only does it change in the newspapers, but it changes in everybody's minds. Like they all accept this is and this is what they call double think in the book. They just accept that that is like the reality, even though it wasn't that earlier. It's like quantum, but it always was. It's yeah, it's Schrodinger's like cat. <laughs> I find this like, I, like okay, so double think just the concept of like being able to accept two different kinds of things as reality mm-hmm. um, is not, and in theory is not that hard. You can be like, oh yeah, because like I can be sad and angry at the same time, for for example. Yeah. Or um, I can like be mad at someone for doing something while understanding, oh, they like had to do it or they're feeling really bad that day or something. Um, yeah. But to do that with like all of reality is like definitely just hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, so one other thing that I'll mention before we go into our, go into our unanswered questions was um, they have this two minutes hate thing, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it reminded me of The Giver, which makes sense because these are both about free will um, and the consequences of not having it. In The Giver, a family sits down and they talk about their dreams and their feelings very mm-hmm. clinically. It's just like, oh, I was feeling frustrated but then I realized that this person didn't mean to do it. And so now I'm okay. And that's like the surf, even though they're talking about their emotions, it's so surface level. And I thought the same mm-hmm. thing with this two minutes hate speech where they basically show a picture of quote, unquote, the party shows a picture of quote unquote, the enemy, which is Goldstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone gathers around and screams at it and releases their anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's just supposed to be like, that's the time that you do it. And it also reminded me in modern day, what would that look like? And I think about like the purge and I was like, Mm -hmm. everyone like there's still the idea that, Oh, if we have some, there's some way to control our emotions Mm -hmm. and be like, if we channel it in this one thing, they'll, it'll never affect us again. And you're like, that's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. I have a story. I forgot about this story. So in the 1984, room 101 (laughs) is the room that they use where it's like the last step of your re-education and it's a really bad room. Like you have to face your biggest fear Um, and so that's kind of like the climax of the story and that's when Winston like breaks and portrays Julia finally. Um, But back in high school in AP Lit, we were, on the day we were discussing room 101, uh, my friends in the class had committed the senior prank um where they stole our school's podium and like hit it um and that that day like security had found the footage of them so they were calling them out like one by one from the classroom like there were like five of them but the security they kept coming back just to take one at a time while we were discussing this very scary scene and it was like very tense and everybody was freaking out because we were like did you arrange this to our teacher and she was like no i have no clue what's going on and you're like that's even worse yeah Okay, well, my first question was, okay, is proles short for proletariat? That's my first one. Oh, that's a, that's a nifty one. I didn't think about that. I don't, I didn't think about any of this. I was just like, uh, it's... Yeah, because as a reminder, just because, so we all remember what proletariat means, 
it means workers and working class people regarded collectively. Remember, yeah. you're always learning. Um, yeah, well, and also given the setting learning. of this book where it's like communism and then. Yeah. It like juxtaposition to the proletariat, it would make sense that the proles would be representative of that. So okay. I can so see we that think, happening. Yeah, we think yes. We think so. I say um, yes. Yeah, so the, okay, also, so the proles, the proles in the book are, like, a class of people that they're not party members, so they don't have to, like, I don't, and I don't know if that means, like, they just don't work for the government, or they just... Yeah, like, I didn't understand how they fit in society, or, like, why they were allowed to exist if they're already, if people in the party are allowed to just, like, be erased. Yeah. Um, you see that the proles, they're working class, like, they're lower economic status, um... But they also seem to have different, like, speech patterns, which makes me think they're also, like, culturally different. Yeah. Um, but, so they're just, there's this mass of people that, um, Winston says, like, if anybody could throw, overthrow the party, it would be them, because they, like, they're the majority, and, like, they have the numbers. Um, but he's, like, he notes that, like, they, to say that they could not organize, or that they will never, like, see a greater purpose. I, I don't know, I just don't think that's being fair to, like... The proles. <laughs> Do you think maybe it's because, like, so part of... There's a section in the book where um, Winston's reading, like, a fake revolutionary text. And um, the text says, like, in all societies, there's, like, a... Yeah, it said, like, it said there's always, like, lower, middle, and high classes in all societies. Yes. And, like, even if sometimes they change, like, there will always be those three. When it was... Um, I think it talked a lot about there, there were these three... And each one had a goal, and higher class people want to remain there, middle class want to reach the higher class, and lower want to get to the middle. And mm -hmm. immediately once those, like, change, even if you started out as middle, or I think, no, as lower, you want equality for everyone. You mm -hmm. don't, um, but when you get to the middle, middle class, even if you started out as lower class, your mentality mm -hmm. just changes, and you, like, essentially forget about the goals of bringing everyone to equality, and you're just like... Oh, no, now yeah. I want to be in the higher class. Um, I did listen to 1984 because um, I tried out the audiobook experience, and it was pretty good. I liked it. Um, I liked being able to listen to stuff. And also, sometimes people need audiobooks. Yeah, dude. If you have a commute, you need audiobooks. Because guess what? If you read while you're driving, mm -hmm. that's not safe. I can't promote no. that. I can't do it. Yeah, I was also talking about, like, accessibility. Like, people are in need of audiobooks. Okay, yeah. what do you want to do next? Um, well, I think we can go right ahead and go into unanswered question. No, we just came mm. from that. <laughs> I was like, am I replaying something in my brain? <laughs> well, okay, so since we both listened to it, I have things to say about how the listening experience um, affected my judgments and my takeaways, so why don't we just okay. move into that? Yeah. Theme music. Beep, beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, boop. So like I said, I listened to this, and I think it was the first episode that we did remotely. Like, immediately after the stay-at-home order in the U.S. Not everyone in the U.S., but, you know, the brunt of it was taking yeah. effect. I was reading a book at the time called Fort of Nine Towers, and that was about the Afghan-Soviet War of the 1980s. And I remember talking about how reading that during a time of um, just, like, frenzy in the nation, how it kind of, it was a kind of a comfort to read. Not a comfort, that sounds so horrible, but it changed how I 
experienced the text because it was like, I'm experiencing this unrest in my world right now, and I'm reading about this other completely different experience of unrest. Mm-hmm. And it just changed the way that I was engaging with it. And so I was experiencing the same thing with this one because, again, we have this Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, we have police brutality. And so when I was reading, when I was listening to 1984 and listening to this fake text mm-hmm. about why we're, we should be against Big Brother and everything, like, for me it was a little too real and it was a little too scary. And so I think I don't remember a lot of it because I was kind of just like, I'm not going to... Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can hear this right now. So yeah, similarly, I read like an article. It was like from the perspective of like a, a former a former cop had written it. Um, and he explained just like um, stuff that he saw was broken with the system, and that was like it is yeah ingrained in you that you like as a police officer you like have power over people, and like he was like, just talking about how um, that just changes the way you would act like than when you normally would. Like so it was like disappointing to hear. Um, how the institution, like, is not there to protect us. But yeah, it's, like, the same thing with 1984. It just kind of made me think, like, oh, it's a system that is not designed to protect people of the party or even of yeah. the polls or anything. It's to protect the interest of the party. Oh, yeah. And so I guess a, 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 a judgment is good job for being... I guess this is, like, mm. good and bad, but good job for still being relevant more than 50 years into the future, so that's, yeah. you know, great that I could relate to this text even now. But, mm-hmm. on the other hand, it sucks that, like, we are still facing these fundamental um, obstacles yeah. in society. Dealing with living in a society where, yeah, like, the institutions that are told... Like, we're told they're here to protect us, like, they're not. Like, the Ministry of Love is not there to deliver love in the book. Yeah. And, like, like every part of the government is a contradiction. Like, the Ministry of Plenty is really kind of just interested in, like, lying about how much stuff they have and how many much food is in the supply. And, like, the Ministry of Truth is it's interested only in covering up, like, the, truth. the, the, the real truth. Um, yeah. Yeah, just the, like, bold and, like, outright contradictions, but everybody accepts it in 1984. Like, it doesn't really cross Winston's mind that, like, the party should be overthrown because it's, like, the right thing to do. Um, I mean, like, obviously it is the right thing to do. And, like, he's like, they should be overthrown just because the party's bad. Um, But it's not like, oh, it's because we all shouldn't live like this. Or it's not because it's they're violating human rights. Not that he would have a concept of that in this world. It's it's still, like, you know, serving his self-interest most of the time. Like, he just wants it to be overthrown because, like, he doesn't like living that way. But not necessarily because he thinks, like... It's raw, the raw, like, it, like that's harming everyone, you know? So, I guess, and so when I think about, like, the takeaways, of course, racism existed and police brutality existed when mm-hmm. I was in high school. But listen, like, we weren't talking about it then. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, sexism existed in the 1950s, but we just weren't talking about it and it was so normalized. But now we're having mm-hmm. that conversation. And so now we're having this conversation about institutionalized yeah. racism. And so now, I think the takeaways are still the same, but they're just hitting harder because it seems more topical now than it did before. Yeah, the party thrives off of turning people against each other. Like, Mm -hmm. they definitely, I mean, like, nobody in this world, like, has an ally. Like, they can't trust their partners, they can't trust their kids. Like, their kids 
um, will turn them in to the thought police. Yeah, but I was just gonna parallel that to like in the United States, like people of color are pitted against each other. Like there's the model minority myth um, that tries to pit Asians against other minorities. Um, and like there, like this attack on trans rights right now uh, by Donald Trump, like it's so. I saw a point that was like this is trying to divide us between like black trans lives and like all black lives, mm-hmm. um, and like we have to show that it's not going to work. And that's what this party does in the book. Yeah, it just creates it sows discord among people so that no one can stand together at all. Um, and that's what it's been like in this country. But we are not alone, thankfully, in this not fiction world. <laughs> Yeah. You're not alone, listener. We talked a bit about this before, but there is, like, more sexism in this book than I thought there was in high school. Like, I just didn't perceive it. Um, I mean, beyond the fact that, like, um, most of the characters are male, like, Winston really only interacts with other male characters, kind of by design of the society, but also, like, that's just a, it's a choice in fiction that Orwell made. Yeah. And that is another thing when I think about what students are expected to handle and again not that they can't but it it just seems super wild that when i was listening to it and listening to it's when winston first meets julia and he recognizes that or he he doesn't even recognize this because he's like so in denial that he's sexually attracted to her that in his mind he's just like i hope all these horrible things happen to her and they're very violent and very sexual and then i was just it's like i was just like oh okay yeah wow yeah, how did that's i terrible. not like remember this when i was reading this in high school mm-hmm. yeah like there's a lot of yeah mention of violence against women it's very it's well julia as a character her being the only female character like she's very um in tune with like her own sexuality um, which, like, I mean, is not harmful in itself, but it is kind of a trope. Um, she also is, like, you know, shown to not really be willing to engage with Winston intellectually. Like, if he tries to talk to her about, like, deep stuff, I guess, she falls asleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when Winston and Julia go to meet O'Brien, and, like, they sit down, O'Brien, in the book it says, O'Brien turns to Winston, seems to take it for granted that Winston can speak for the both of them. I'm like, oh my goodness, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will say, in terms of feminism, and not not doing a whole lot. Yeah. But, so I guess we can move on to ratings. You go first. <laughs> Let's see, out of ten, right? Yeah. I have to ask that every time. Uh, I want... <laughs> Four... I think, I mean, it is it is well-constructed, and it's, I mean, he's really obviously thought this dystopian society through. I just, yeah, I think it falls short with, yeah, with, like, sexism and um, dealing with other cultures, such as Jewish people, and um, it's very bleak. I would say my score, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I think if you don't read a lot of dystopian, this is probably a good place to start. Like, again, it has remained timely um, over the many, many years. It's also just propaganda. Um, Whether it be good propaganda or bad propaganda, it's, you know, advocating for not communism. Not not socialism either, but not communism. And so I guess for me, it would also probably be a four. Okay. I wouldn't want to read it again. Okay. 
But now that I have yeah, no, that's... revisited it for the final time yeah. ever in my life, mm-hmm. I'm like, great, now I know things, and hopefully I'll remember them this time. <laughs> yeah. Book recommendations? Yeah, let's move on to the book recommendations, our book talk. I have two. Um, one of them, actually, I have recommended before. I don't remember when. But I'm going to recommend it again. The Ventriloquists by E.R. Ramsapore. Um, that one's about, if you haven't, if you don't recall, that one's about resistance journalists in Brussels during World War II. So they're people that are like part of the underground um, newspapers that are trying to get like the truth out and they don't want to get caught by like the Nazis, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember you recommending this book. Yeah. 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 So that one, I think, it reminds me because it is kind of a dystopian thing. Like they have to be very secret. Um, it has a much more hopeful ending than 1984. And it was yeah. a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. My second book is Woman at Point Zero by Nawal El Sadali. So the whole story of the book it takes place while um, a woman is in a prison cell for Douse as her name. And um, she's been sentenced to death because she's killed a man. And she just kind of reflects on, like, how she got there. And it is, like, very um, feminist. Um, like, she talks about how men have the power in society. And, like, as a woman, she, like, didn't have power over her body. Um, and, yeah, I read that one for a class, for Audrey Golden's class in co Oh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, so I was really struggling with what book I would recommend for this. Mm-hmm. So... I had, like, I had, like, nothing to suggest, but then, as you were talking, it reminded me of The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, um, and I remember when I was listening to it, towards the end, when there's a really sad part, I definitely cried while I was listening to it, because I was like, oh man, this is intense, this Mm. is, it talks about, again, that sense of, like, isolation in a time of civil unrest and how detrimental that can be um so i would recommend that it's also it's historical fiction so that's the one that i'm gonna recommend um okay moving on to currently reading this is always fun (laughs) i said that really assertively yeah you're like listen guys it's fun yum I'm reading, I'm gonna, I'm reading Naturally Tan by Tan France, because I started Queer Eye in the last few weeks, um, <laughs> so I'm jumping on that bandwagon. I'm also reading The Mysterious Benedict Society and The Perilous Journey, so that's the second book in that series, recommended by you, Ellie. Yeah, what do you think of The Mysterious Benedict Society? Would you say it was a good recommendation? No, I think it was great. It was along the same vein. It's a lot more whimsical than The Westing Game, and The Westing Game was, like, pretty, it did have whimsy to it, but this one is definitely, like... This is an adventure. I like the puzzles. Sometimes, sometimes the puzzles do get me. I'm like, oh, I don't know what like this is talking about. Especially the riddles. Um, other ones, I'm like, no, it's this, it's this. Like, you would know this. You few... dumb kids. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, it's yeah. like yelling at the screen at Dora. Like, it's on the left. <laughs> but they always get it. So you know, it's like not. Gonna have you to just be gotta worried. wait and see. I'm just too impatient. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like I have to be worried. <laughs> Well, I am in the middle of three books. Um, one of them is Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. Yeah. I'm listening to that one. Um, I will say I started listening to it. It is like 25 hours long. 
I'm listening to it at 1.5 speed. Mm. When I first started it, I hadn't read mm. anything about the summary or anything that I was getting into. So then I like read the description and I read one of the I read two reviews, two quick comment reviews on Goodreads, and one of them was this woman saying like horrible piece mm. of trash literature. Uh. Um, and the point she was making was like. It is super sexual, and it doesn't talk about that content matter correctly, and it's, like, long and, mm-hmm. like, unfocused. So I read that, and I was like, oh, okay. That was, like, the top one that came up. And then right below that was Roxanne Gay's certified review. Oh. And, I mean, she, the context that she put it into was, yes, there's, like, sexual content in there and it is like a thick book uh-huh. and it and it goes winding and everything but I mean she put it in a much more positive light and she's like you have to like appreciate that that's what you're getting into and that this is Marlon James's style of writing mm-hmm. and so I mean I think I can see where both people are coming from um, I'll admit the parts where it's written from a male perspective it's written by a male there's a lot of, mm. I guess, vulgar language, which I'm oh, man. not real. I don't, I would like to think that I'm not against it, but like I can see why someone would be like. It'd be uncomfortable or. Yeah, it would be uncomfortable or if you weren't expecting this to be that kind of book, why? Um, yeah, I remember I re- I tried reading like the, I tried reading it, got to like the first paragraph and yeah, I was just like, uh, maybe this is not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it talks about, not only is it talking about sexual content, but it like super sensitive topics like that honestly mm-hmm. it does make me uncomfortable like i'm gonna try and keep reading it but you know yeah so, you don't yeah or this is a psa just you can quit books it's okay yeah listen <laughs> because if you're not gonna if also and this is something that my fiction professor from co-college like emphasized sometimes you're not the audience for a book that doesn't mean you're not allowed to read the book or not enjoy the book or something, but mm-hmm. if you're not the audience for something, then you can't necessarily be mad or you shouldn't really be mad if it, like, doesn't cater to what it, what you wanted yeah. or what you expected or something because, again, you're not the audience. So I recognize that I'm maybe not the audience for this. I yeah. want to keep trying to read it, but we'll see. Like, yeah, you can expand your mind. You should educate yourself, but also you can quit a book. I've quit a lot of books. <laughs> Listen, man, it's always okay to quit. Always quit. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, the other two books that I'm reading are Pim by Matt Johnson, which I had talked about on the last podcast episode, so I'm not going to talk about it again. I'm still reading it. I'm a slow reader, and honestly, I have not been doing a lot of reading since the two weeks that we recorded. I'm so. And then I'm reading Are Prisons Obsolete by Angela Y. Davis for a book group. Um, and... I started reading it last night. It's a pretty quick read. Um, but honestly, I it's one that I'm not... I don't think I can like totally just zoom through because I want to digest what I'm reading. And given that it is super topical and like socially charged, I want... I think I need to like yeah. take time to sit with the text. Um, okay, and then... Lastly, we'll go into, you know, what were we reading last time? What have we finished? As I mentioned before, it has been only two weeks, and I'm a slow reader, so I have only, and I say only, because I 
think the last episode I had completed a trillion bajillion books, but this time I only have one. The one book that I listened to was We Should All Be Feminist by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. If I pronounce that right. Um, and I'm going I'm to say that it was good and that you should listen to it or read it. If you listen to it, it is about 30 minutes long. So if you read it, I imagine it's roughly around the same time. So go for and it. And you can speed it up to do- <laughs> double time. Yes. yes. If you Make can it process it that fast. Long. Yeah, but it's, it's no shame if you can't. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes I just have to slow it down and rewind because I'm like I wasn't listening. Yeah. So what about you? I don't remember. I don't remember when we met, but I think I was reading Us Against You by Frederick Backman. Um, that's a sequel to Bear Town book. Um, I don't. It doesn't feel as if he intended to make a second book because there's a lot of not backtracking, but like, I mean, a lot of things are extended. Um, like some plot lines are just kind of woven around in weird ways. Um, there's a lot more characters in the second book. Um, I still liked it, but I was just like, the first one packed a real punch, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, um, since last time I finished Race the Sands by Sarah Beth Durst, I think I was reading it when we were recording last time. Um, but that one's about monster racing. Um, it's very exciting. In this like world, this fantasy world, people um, are reincarnated, and there are augurs that can tell you what you'll be reincarnated as, like if you're going to be an insect um, or a monkey or something, um, based on the state of your soul. It's never really made clear like what's better than others um but like the worst worst thing you can be is a keyhawk um i think that's how they're pronounced they um are just like monsters they're all different like they're basically like chimeras like um a goat merged with a lizard or a scorpion merged with a elephant um and uh it's kind of hard to explain like the premise but like um There's a trainer who, like, really needs somebody to win so she can, like, get the money to support her daughter. There's a racer who really needs to win so she can buy her freedom from her parents. Um, There's political intrigue. It's a very good standalone novel, and it's all woven together very tightly at the end. It's very satisfying. Um, Yeah. I also finished Girl, Woman, Other by Bernardine Evaristo. I won't go into that because I already did. Um, (laughs) But I recommend it. Um, Yeah, I finished The Mysterious Benedict Society. Mm-hmm. I also finished Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, which I think was Annika's recommendation. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was also pretty good. I listened to that one. I did I did the whole thing. Um, and the reader was really good. I liked her a lot. Nice. Yeah, so I think we're ready for our out- outro. So we have reached the end of the podcast. Um, if you liked what you heard or didn't like what you heard or if you have read any of the books that we suggested or have more information about the Black Lives Matter movement personal individuals that you want to promote like send us an email yeah um we want to know we want to be as engaged as we can we want to utilize this platform mm-hmm. as best as we can so yeah. Laura, always learning tell us the email mm-hmm and what? Oh, 
<laughs> Laura, <laughs> excuse me, please. Okay. Tell us the email. Do not make me do this. Okay, it's... <laughs> I always get it wrong. It's always it's reading, not reading, at gmail.com. So we spell that R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. It's, it's spelled how it sounds, you know? Yeah, you guys, it's it's simple as that. Don't think about it too hard. Um, and our next episode, what will we be discussing, Laura? Um, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Keeping again with our um, move to promote and celebrate more by POC writers. Oh, yeah. So get ready. I hope you all have a safe month. Um, yeah. And we will see you all later. Bye. Goodbye.